There's a code of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 14th, 2010. For the newcomers, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, scroll down, look at all the other sites I have up there, bookmark them for future use because sometimes the big ones go down and that way you can download the latest shows. And these are all the official sites I have, anything outside of this isn't mine. I often get uh, complaints, they can't get audio and so on. I go through my all my audio shows and I find out it's not my site. Someone else is rebroadcasting it. So these are the official sites. There's CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. There's CuttingThroughTheMatrix.net.us.ca. There's Alan Watt, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.ca. And there's also uh, CuttingThrough.Jenkness.com. And now there's Alan Watt Sentinel.eu. That's the European site. It has all the same audios for download, but it has addition of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given, which you can download for prints up and choose from the various languages of Europe. And I was going to right into the, the pitch at the beginning because I don't like to do pitches throughout the show, although it would catch you unawares. You'd have to listen right through, and most folk miss the five, first five minutes. This is the tin can five minutes where I've got to say to you that you are the audience that brings me to you. I don't get backed by sponsors, etc. The ads on this show are paid by advertisers that I don't even know, and it goes straight to RBN to pay for this airtime and pay for the staff and their, their expenses and their bills. So it's up to you to keep me going, and you can do so by going into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, buy the books I have for sale, the, the CDs, the discs, and so on, and you can also donate if you want to through PayPal or any other means. Personal checks are good from the U.S. to Canada. Uh, the U.S. can also go to the post office and get an international postal money order. That's the pink international one, the communist one. We're all socialists now. Uh, the green one, remember, is for internal U.S. only, so don't walk out with the green one. And you can also use Western Union. Outside the Americas, same thing, Western Union, MoneyGram, PayPal, and you can use PayPal, remember, too, to donate or to purchase. Just send a separate email if you want to purchase the books by PayPal or send cash. That's up to you how you get it there. And for those who get the discs burned, and lots get discs burned past them because they don't like the computer, and I don't blame them, it's an awful hassle, uh, you can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estair, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. And the postal code is P, as in Peter, the number 3, E, as in Elizabeth, the number 4, N, as in Nora, and the number 1, P3E, 4, N1. Well, that's my tin can uh, shaking away there. It's, it's rather very, very tinny indeed. There's not much in it. So it's up to you to, to help fill it up a little bit, and I can get some better equipment on the go if that's the case. And remember, too, um, 
keep me informed about the feed. Uh, I know that some people on slower speeds uh, get breaks on this live feed. Uh, I get it with ExploreNet, although I'm, pay I'm paying for high speed. Uh, they've cut me back deliberately, and they've told me so. By the way, anyone who wonders why or it's all my fault or something, they haven't looked in different programs. No, they have actually told me so. They've cut me back. And they said it was unfair use, even though I, I actually put up less today than they have done in the past. So, if you're on, on a live feed and you get breaks and your buffer can't keep up and it drops, it's been because you're on a lower speed. But anyone on a higher speed and you're getting the same problem, let me know. We'll try to figure out what the problem has happened to be. I'll be back with a moment after this break. Hi, folks. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the Matrix. This is the century of change. I keep uh, reminding people that academia and higher politics have been pushing this for an awful long time, that the 21st century would be the century for change. And those in academia and the social sciences and different disciplines, as they call it, knew what it was all about. It was to bring in a new worldwide social system, a planned society, with all all the better people running the world and telling everybody else what to do, how to live, and if you should breed and shouldn't breed and all the rest of it. It's, it really is uh, coming into a, a dictatorial type system, and we see that already in, in various news articles. It's in fact, they're releasing more and more news articles all the time so that we get the message. And we do adapt to whatever we're given. We gradually adapt, and everything becomes normal in no time at all. It's quite surprising. It's true enough uh, that we are the most adaptable species on the planet. We really, really are. And those at the top know this. But the, the big uh, social movements, as you want to, if you want to call them that, uh, even though they're, they're generally funded by the biggest bankers on the planet, uh, planned all of this an awful long time ago and to bring in what they thought would be a tidy system with a, a, a reduced population. Because they use what we now call futurists to guide them. People who look at trends and look at where the world could be going and how the economy could be going and all that kind of stuff and even analyze what society is for. What do the populations of the countries uh, really have in common? What's their purpose? Everything in, in, in academia must have a purpose. At one time you could be alive just for the sake of being alive and that was good enough but not anymore. You see now you must have a social purpose in the big machine. And that really is what socialism is about. Uh, many people follow socialism, and they still think there's a, they really do, they really do think there's a war between left and right. And because of that, they never clue in to the big picture or the dialectic that's been used to guide us along this path towards uh, a conquered planet and, and from one point of view and from another point of view a tidy planet, all tidied up and neat if you go into the writings of Karl Marx for instance he went into all of this, all the different disciplines of economy, economics and the purpose of humans in uh, the economic system 
even working out to an industrial age, from an uh, agricultural age, feudalism, all that stuff, all the way up to industrial times, then we're into scientific times, technological times now, and right down to what kind of populations should be sustained on the planet. And people can't quite get it through their heads that, that, as I say, there's no left and right wing on this. It's all one big movement because of the funding they get. Why would the biggest foundations on the planet, they're owned by the big boys like the Rockefellers, with trillions of dollars to dispose of to their NGOs, their non-governmental organizations, why would they be funding what seems to be left-wing NGOs? Why? Why would multi-trillionaires fund left-wing NGOs? It's because with every law that they get passed, and it's all to do again with laws, the people who run this world are fanatical about all kinds of laws, right down to tiny minute laws, and almost sub-laws and all the rest of it. Uh, a world run by laws and rules. Uh, going back an awful long time, it's in the nature, actually, of the organization that runs this. And they're very good, very, very good today and have been for the 20th century of altering perception. Uh, Bernays, of course, who did propaganda and who was, was supposedly, I don't really believe that he was solely responsible, but he, he certainly was big in showing uh, the U.S. presidents and the commerce uh, how to motivate people through unconscious desires, and he helped create the consumer society. Why was that? It was because they had to build up America to be great for a while while they conquered the world before they were brought down into the system that they helped create. And he, he liked to name, name propaganda. The term was okay with him. And eventually went into marketing and uh, public relations. And you still see today when the spokesmen from the police societies or whomever, they always go through a public relations officer, which is just propaganda officer. Someone who can spin it off into a, a, an acceptable form for the public's ears. And the also call it perception management if you've got some kind of product that you cannot sell or move or even an idea in politics you bring in those who deal with perception management and they will alter how the public will receive that perception of whatever it is you're trying to sell to them be it an idea uh, or a product it doesn't matter very old science is coming to play because knowledge is never thrown away down through the ages it's collected by academia and people study it in sciences today and they use it on the public and they think that's okay it's like politics I cannot believe that people sit back and truly believe what they're being told by any party because they all use uh, perception management every party does they're run by specialists there's not a politician out there that will give an, an off-the-cuff speech anymore it's all all they can do is read the scripts written by professional scriptwriters, and they're interchangeable the politicians in front are interchangeable I think it was about a year ago Stephen Harper the Prime Minister of Canada came up on the carpet because his scriptwriter supposedly this is the story they peddled to the public his scriptwriter his main scriptwriter was short of time and so he borrowed a, a, a speech given by uh, the Prime Minister of Australia 
And up on the YouTube, they have a split screen there where you can see both prime ministers, one of Australia, one of Canada, going through the exact same speech. And people really still look for honesty and direction from politics. I cannot figure out why. I really, really can't. Because this is the norm across the world, this kind of management of politicians. Our perceptions can be altered gradually or quickly. Wartime is the best time, as Carl Quigley said. He said we can get more done in five years of warfare on a social change scale than we can in 50 years of peace using propaganda. Because during war, or this war on terror, it's the same thing, you see, it's a worldwide war, then uh, the governments can expand and expand and expand, which they have, if you've noticed, been doing, until there's so many different departments you cannot use. You'd have to spend a career going through them all just to learn them. And that again falls right in line with what I'm talking about with Marx and Engels and all these characters. A planned society where there's an agency dealing with every part of human interaction. That's what it's about. And from not so long ago, people had for an awful long time believed they had rights. They believed they had rights because they came from a god or a deity or something, whatever they believed in, whatever their religion happened to be. And mainstream religions couldn't back off because it was, it was a main, main tenets of their, their belief system that human beings were spiritual beings and therefore you couldn't just walk around as nobility and slaughter folk which of course was often done and often too uh, the religious people turned a blind eye because they were into politics themselves but at least the idea was there where you had rights and, and freedoms and people couldn't shove you around and the, the idea of having uh, private property uh, was pretty novel for the ordinary people it was a novel concept that came out really uh, during the American Revolution because they knew from going over history that if you didn't have property then uh, you're at the mercy of landlords who can boot you out at any time and uh, put you on the streets or let you starve or whatever it happens to be but if you had proper property technically no one could put a lien on it if you own something then you own it you either own it or you don't own it you can't own something and pay taxes and actually own the house having paid out your mortgage and then get kicked out because you can't afford the taxes you don't own it in the first place then so that was going around as well because it didn't used to be property taxes that was that was your safeguard in life through depressions you could feed yourself if you had a bit of land you could at least feed yourself and survive and no one could kick you off now during uh, so called they call them recessions now they don't like the D word depression um, now they just kick you off anyway whether you happen to have to have bought off the house or not through the mortgage doesn't matter and folk can still hold this double think in their head at the same time and all the real estate merchants uh, keep saying do you want your own home oh look at this wonderful home uh, your own it's always your but it's not yours is it if it's yours it's yours outright bottom line and then government now of course through all the greening movement very good con that one can come in and inspect through the United Nations agencies and every country now has a United Nations agency that goes around areas 
and inspects rural, rural homes and other homes in the suburbs for upgrades to the proper codes. They keep changing the codes, so no one could possibly be up there, you see. So there's a hundred different ways they're using to get you off the land because the land, the, the, the future they promised to bring in was always to do with no private property. No private property. Only elite, only the elite would technically have the use of their big castles and their big mansions and all the rest of it. And the public would pay for the upkeep of it. It's a great deal. You don't, so they wouldn't have to worry about paying the servants or th- things getting stolen or broken. Like Plato said all that time ago, and they all quote Plato on this with his book, The Republic and the Guardian Class. They can, they can uh, simply live like kings, and since they're ruining the public, uh, part of their payoff is to have their massive homes, maybe two, three across the world, maintained for them. That's the future they're bringing in. Back with more after this break. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. So our perceptions are managed, and we adapt into new systems all the time. All the time. Fashions, music, um, how we perceive the world, uh, and the fact that we all know we're global now, although no one really thought through the whole process of what it meant. You just gradually adapt to the, to the repetition that they keep giving you. And we listen to all this stuff about... Um, the new society, as they call it, the new society. We watch them put up their cameras in all countries. We watch them. Uh, in fact, they tell us they monitor everything on the Internet. And really, that's why they gave it to us, was everyone is predictable. Everyone is predictable. That's Google's main function, is to collect data on everyone. And we adapt to, to the new norms of everything. At one time, people used to get married to have children. Now... We don't. We, the children are killed. That's what abortion means. You kill something. See, again, this, this something really is what it is or it isn't. How can it be what it is and it's spun off into a different viewpoint by perception management? And that's what's done it, perception management. Because it suits the elite's plan, going back to, to Marx and all the rest of it, about planned societies, planned populations. Nice and tidy, you see. And folk jump even at the socialized medicine, and I know it's a great idea. If we were to live in a real world with decent people running it, sure, absolutely, it would be, it'd be darn wonderful. But it was never set up to be that. You can't mix medicine with politics. When politics is involved, you've got a social agenda, and we know what their social agenda is. And they always start off the, the social medicine in countries, and they're often very good to start with, but within 10 years now they're cut back, cut back, and cut back, until all you can get is, is uh, the social policy ones like vasectomies, abortions, and tubal ligations. And now they're pushing in the socialized countries for end-of-life uh, termination. They're all different kind of nice phrases for it, because it's cheaper that way. You see, it's all economics. The hard truth is economics. And we also, again, through years and years of Hollywood distorting and altering uh, the cultures, that was part of what Hollywood was set up for, that was the main part of it, we, we 
view everything in a completely different way when it comes to uh, sexuality. Ev everything. Completely turned upside down on its head. And we're supposed to see it the new way. Well, why should we see it? Why should anyone want to see it a new way? Why shouldn't you come to you by your own conclusions and perceptions? We've been trained not to believe in ourselves. We've been trained to to believe the experts exactly what Brzezinski said in his own book his last book that he printed where he said that the people will be unable to think for themselves they'll only be able to parrot what the media gives them from the previous day's news here's how a good spin this shows you how perception management is, is put across and it's from the Toronto Star now, the star always took the part of, again, the con game, the left and the right. They were the left, because it's the rising star is the, is the left, you see. It used to be the sun, because the sun, is, is the brightest light, was, was the, the right. Everything's symbolic, and it plays a game. That's why you had a, you had a white star on American aircraft, uh, all up to the present time, the white star. And then you have the red star on the communist ones both five pointed by no mistake either so it's Toronto Star the 13th of January 2010 it says take joy in the liberation of new airport stands see what a good spin this is isn't it you see. Uh, some see an increment of human liberation in new airport security do you see understand what I'm talking about how your minds are bent and twisted and all the rest of it it says uh, it's an ad any young lad who reads a superhero comic book before 1980s and will remember it fondly a boy wearing thick black glasses gazes at a lady lines going from his eyes to her body outside his field of vision the lady is dressed within his field of vision her clothes have magically become see-through this is a standard technique, by the way, where it's like imagine, imagine, picture. Uh, they use this in all kinds of cognitive uh, lecturing when they're, they're, they're in motivational uh, courses that they do. Imagine, you see. So it's like in a realm of fantasy. They're, they're talking about something that's going to affect you. <laughs> it says, X-ray specs. See the bones in your hands. See through the clothes. A slogan would say, alongside an order form. The glasses didn't work. The X-ray effect was an optical illusion. But perhaps fuzzy, warm memories of the ad surfaced in the minds of some this week as the federal government announced plans to install millimeter wave body scanners in Canadian airports. Well, is that what you thought? You went back to some, uh, being a child, reading a comic book and, and seeing through a woman's clothing and you, you remembered it with very fondly. Is that what really passed through your mind? So it's given you a concept and a precept to begin the whole thing. It says here, some have seen the technology which produces a three-dimensional image of passengers' naked bodies, including an outline of their genitals, as overtly intrusive. But many others don't seem to care. Many don't seem to care. Isn't nudity an ingrained part of our culture after all? Well, it certainly is now with TV and everything. So it didn't used to be. I'll read some more of this particular article to show you how the spin is done in perception management after I come back from this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. This is Alan Watts. We're cutting through the matrix. Someone just told me that um, there's crackling on the phone line, but this, I can hear nothing my end at all. So it's not here. But it's the one that's been broadcast. It's crackling. Uh, getting back to this article here. It says here about, again, as used to, nudity is a good thing now. It's a good thing. It says, after all, aren't we, uh, isn't nudity an ingrained part of our culture after all? So a number of naked-friendly phenomena. Naked-friendly, you see the terminology is used here by marketers called, here's one is naked-friendly, youporn.com. Low-rise jeans, nude beaches, micro-bikinis have arguably worked to demolish old angst about private parts. At the very least, the angst has shifted from the question, does this show too much, to will I look hot? Well, who gave you all that? Remember what Plato says, the culture industry? It uses, uses drama, that's now Hollywood of course It also uses, what, and Plato calls it uh, The fashion industry All that time ago, industry And he says the people emulate They imitate what they see This is a, a, um, The American Association for Nude Recreation Has already endorsed the body scans With great enthusiasm I wonder how much a kickback they got for that or is it just barefaced liars? I don't know. A press release they sent this week declared that security is much more important than parochial concerns over a scanned image of a clothed body. We think that it's a great idea, and not because we're nudists, elaborates Carolyn Hawkins. But you are nudists, right? I think it's going to change how people think about things, she said. Indeed, or maybe the scanners are already at home in a more body-conscious era. My neighbours get a better show from us changing with the curtains open. Clearly we don't care much about nudity, said one Facebook user on discussion thread about the body scans. Well, they can make this up about anybody, can they, to get their, their, their message across. Some feel that getting a body scan would be less invasive than other security measures that already exist. At the end of the day, isn't it an, an agent and other passengers seeing all your personal effects on the x-ray just as intrusive? Well, there's a bad difference between seeing something in, in, your, in your pockets or a woman's purse than your body getting shown off, isn't it? Said Ben Rowlandson, who logged 100,000 kilometers last year in air travel for his work in the technology industry. Even if many Canadian flyers shrug at the idea that an, an anonymous government drone will see a blue-coloured facsimile of their genitalia, many certainly will not. Really? Really? I wonder where the poll was for this. It hasn't been done, has it? There may be younger people who feel, who cares, but older people, they may feel uncomfortable, says Professor David J. Brennan, who researches eating disorders and body image at the University of Toronto. Others with stricter standards of modesty, such as Orthodox Jewish and Muslim women, may also balk at the technology. Knowing and understanding our community, our community, here we go again, there will be those who feel very uncomfortable and will opt for the pat-down if necessary, said Wahida Villante, chair and national president of the Canadian Islamic Congress. For others, however, this may just turn out to be another incentive to break out the bikini wax. It's all fun, isn't it? Maybe they'll strip off and, you see, why bother with machines when you just strip off and have a laugh at each other? But there you go. 
And as one last thing I'll just read here, is perhaps the good government of Canada is unwittingly inspiring whole, a whole new genre of porn. Yeah, well, where else is it, eh? But it's okay, it's all just good, clean fun. Uh, I'll go to the callers now. I think it's Justin from Washington. Are you there, Justin? Hello? Hello? Yes. Um, I was calling you tonight uh, to inquire a little bit about the origins of vaccination. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing a little bit of research, and it's taken me so far back to, you know, the early uh, 17th century. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if uh, you know anything about where it was originally used. Um, mm -hmm. I understand Cat Cotton Mather uh, got the idea supposedly uh, from a slave. Mm -hmm. who said that he'd been, uh, you know, shot up with the smallpox virus in his own country. He yeah. him from it. Uh, yeah, well, if you go back even further, you'll find uh, that uh, it was the Muslims, it was Islam, that was the, the most advanced people in all sciences for hundreds of years. And they found out the people who had had different kinds of plagues, uh, if they got a pustule, for instance, in the healing phase when they were recovering, then for some reason, we don't know why it is, you've got white uh, corpuscles in there fighting the bacterium, and you've got the, the bacterium dying and, and some dead and living tissue. But they knew that if they scraped that, they could actually scrape, uh, scratch someone else with that particular stuff. They didn't know why, they just knew that someone in recovery had these particular types of pustules, or, or their covering um, medium was in their blood and if they took a little scratch off that and, and, and scratch on someone else that could give someone protection and you find this going to the writings of uh, Benjamin Franklin he was the one who introduced the concept to America and he also backed that up that it was the it was Islam that had uh, been, been so far ahead even hundreds of years before that that gave them the idea yeah all right. Um, that is interesting. So for hundreds of years they were actually using it? Yeah, they knew that. Uh, you usually go into the era in Islam where it was a, a massive renaissance in the Middle Ages and they were, they were the leaders of all world's medicine right up into the, the 19th century. Uh, in fact, many of, many of their operations, even on cataracts, were done in the Middle Ages. Uh, they gathered... Uh, data and education learning from all over the world it was called the great learning period and uh, they spent incredible money uh, on scribes and people who would get foreign books translate them they actually called it the translation period in Islam and uh, they, had, they had the most advanced knowledge of all kinds of medicines across the, the known world of that time but they, yeah, they did uh, use this scratching of the skin method on people who'd recovered after fevers or illnesses or plagues and they knew that for some reason there was something in that person's system now uh, that could help immunize people who hadn't got the disease and that's where Franklin got his idea from Right. I've, I did a little bit of research, and he was real keen on a person named Father Hill. Uh, I can't exactly remember the research I did. It was a while back. But mm -hmm. um, from what I understand, it seemed to me uh, when I was looking at it that, you know, how, uh, you know, vaccinations and our food and water supply is all used to, um, you know, nullify our higher consciousness. Mm -hmm. uh, it was my understanding from the way I was looking at it that they'd been using this practice of vaccination probably is one of the primary ways of achieving this, even going back to the original inoculations, mm -hmm. um, seeing as how they were used, you know, in combo with the cooling regimes 
where they would feed people mercury for weeks at a time, as well as, you know, after they were done with the mercury regimen, they would give them the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a difference. You see, that, that is the difference you see from, from taking someone's uh, uh, white corpuscles right from their body um, to another person. Uh, they have the key of the antidote, you might say, to that infection. When pharma gets involved, that's a different genre altogether. Pharmacology um, goes into its own way of doing things and with its mercury and various other things. And big pharma definitely is a big part of the dumbing down process. You cannot look at autism and all the other diseases we have today and look at the charts of introduction of uh, the different inoculations. They skyrocketed from the 50s onwards. Uh, autism from the 70s onwards skyrocketed. And um, it goes along with the more inoculations they get, the, the, worse, the more problems we end up having. So you're quite right. But it is definitely pharmacology as opposed to the oldest methods. Now, the problem with the old methods, too, is that supposing you wanted to inoculate an army by the scratch method, um, uh, if someone had syphilis, you could pass it on to them all. <laughs> as I understand that in the Civil War, the, um, the South actually got hit pretty damn hard because they had a contaminated vaccination supply. Yes. They wound up giving some 20,000 soldiers syphilis. Yeah, oh yeah, and I'm sure that happened in every country, yeah, yeah. But, but pharmacology, as I say, is, is such an incredibly big, big business. And to be honest with you, I, I, again, I cannot see where, where health mixes with, with big money. It just doesn't go together, or politics for that matter. It's, it's, a, it's a thing on its own, it's a sacred thing, healthcare. And um, you can't mix one or the other without it being corrupted. Yeah. Which has been the case, obviously, for a long time now. Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Um, especially when you there's a video up there. I might still have the link. Uh, it was on the CBC a few years ago. But uh, you see Dr. Salk in it with his team for the polio vaccine, and the staff that worked with them, and the interview Salk and the staff, and they all admitted that they knew they knew that the the simian virus 40, which only its only purpose is to cause cancer. That's all they could find out about it. it causes cancers. Yeah. Uh, they knew it was in every shot, and what they claimed was they thought the benefits outweighed the risks. Now, how could you possibly say that after giving millions of people cancers? How could you exactly. possibly say that? You know? it's like you said, Alan. Uh, you know, they obviously you can't let them say that or you know play it off like, well, they just made a mistake or this yes. is the science of today and things mm-hmm. like that. They knew that they were going to be killing people in yep. significant numbers. So, and, and and again, to see that there's always a tie-in. We must go into these guys' histories. Doctor Salk was was a, a member of the World Eugenics Society. And all of his papers before he came out as the big hero for polio had written so many papers on the need to depopulate the planet drastically with nice numbers. He was also into that the fittest should survive and all this kind of stuff. He was a total Darwinist. Uh, and suddenly he becomes the champion. To, he wants to help you. He wants to help you. And he actually gave interviews because people quizzed him on that. How come you come from a guy who's advocating killing off all the weak and all the rest of it and the infirm and depopulating the planet to becoming the world's savior? And, of course, he, he hums and haws around that particular question. But it's the same with them all. We don't quite get it. There is a eugenics program at work. Bertrand Russell was a part of those teams, and he also said the same thing, that we shall use the needle as well to be a com- compliant, obedient population. 
That is interesting. I had no idea that he was a part of the eugenic society, but it, it makes perfect sense, obviously. I just, I basically presume that anyone who's into the vaccination industry in general mm -hmm. at the top is big on eugenics. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, I, and I'm certain, to be honest with you, we won't see the effects of all all these flu injections for maybe 10 years and suddenly there'll be another plague of big cancers and unknown cancers and new types of cancers and they'll put it down to, well, we're just stunned we don't know what's causing it. You know? But they'll know darn well. Yeah. yeah. It's just interesting. Like that's, you know, There's so many levels that they hit us on. you got the fluoride in the water that's known to cause bone issues and then look, oh, look at all the people who come down with arthritis and osteoporosis. Yep. Exactly. Arthritis now, even have juvenile arthritis is one of the highest climbing uh, diseases of the youth. It uh, never existed before. Now it's common. It's, in fact, and once it becomes common, no one questions it. Oh, it's common, you know. Uh, you have people getting asthmas in their 40s, all kinds of lung disorders, because a lot of these inoculations, especially the adjuvants that are put into them, attack the, attack the alveolar tissue, especially towards the edge, the outsides of the lungs there. And, uh, and young children, they don't even mature those outside parts of the epithelial cells. They don't even mature into full-blown. So they're always short of breath, etc. This is from the shots, and it's known. It is known about this. Yeah, that is a known, a known side effect of the adjuvants. Yeah. And it really just it blows my mind uh, the level on which they're hitting us through these vaccinations presently. It, it just gets bigger and bigger. Uh, I was looking at papers online, and you know they mentioned can't remember where the hell they mentioned it. It was uh, for a patent for a infertility vaccine. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, an injection deliberately designed to cause infertility, and they said that two of the ingredients would be uh, polysorbate 80 yep. in addition with the squalene, and then what do you have today? Well, you've got these nine-year-old girls getting their shot of the Gardasil, which has the mm -hmm. polysorbate in addition to a bunch of the other vaccines, and then they're mm -hmm. going to get with these new uh, flu shots that have the squalene in them, so that's one plus one, and you got two, which is... Yeah. And how could you possibly see a coalition of big pharma and a government, which we've had our whole lives, by the way, who have a policy of depopulation, but at the same time they want to keep you healthy? Personally, I, I think we should be a little bit suspicious. <laughs> it's, it's, they've, they've found a balance, it seems, uh, because they're, you know, obviously the agenda isn't or hasn't been to kill us. Mm -hmm. uh, it's mostly just been to kind of cut off a little bit of our higher consciousness and capacity to, you know, take in a lot of data and remember it and then mm -hmm. put it together and then yeah. form action out of that. Uh, although, when you look at the studies of cancers now, see, one time you, you could categorize cancers and uh, there weren't so many of them. Uh, today, uh, there are new types of cancers all the time. In fact, the surgeons don't even bother giving them names. They've never seen things like it every day, just something new. This, again, is part of the process. So there are people uh, dying off. Uh, an awful lot of people are dying off because of all this stuff. I'm sure it's right on cue. They probably knew exactly how many years they would, they, they would take to die. And uh, it's bringing down the population. And... Uh, uh, that is part of the plan. The World Health Organization screams every year too many people got to depopulate and they tell you how infertile, that's another side effect of it by the way, is the infertility of males, not just the bisphenol A, but uh, also inoculations as well, which the big boys talked about using for, for sterilization uh, 60 years ago. It, it really does, all of this, it's just, it's mind mind-bogglingly intelligent, uh, you know, the forces behind it, and it's sad. I, I'm, I try to understand it with a little bit of 
abstract, almost appreciation for what has occurred over the course of the past, you know, couple hundred or, you know, since the beginning of time probably is how it's mm -hmm. working out, but... Yeah. Uh, but again, too, see, when they have wars on terror, wars on poverty, wars on war, these guys mean it, you know. Uh, they, they have a war on something, and uh, yeah, literally. when they had the, the, the League of Nations, uh, they said that the greatest threat to the world, and their plan, by the way, which was a socialist-ordered society, was overpopulation, and they set up the Department on Population Control back in 1919. And that became that blossomed into the United Nations. They still have the same department. Uh, what do you, what do we think that they're there for? They don't meet all it. The full-time employees making wish lists of how to depopulate the planet. Uh, I mean, it's more it's more than wish lists, you see. <laughs> it's absurd. It really is because here we are, all these humans, and our leaders are saying, you know, openly that they're trying to kill us, but we just go about our day to day. Yes to do whatever, you know, I'm just going to watch TV and try to calm down and chill. Well, again, Bertrand Russell did say that, that they use a needle, and he also said it would make a compliant, obedient population. Mm -hmm. And every child who gets the, the measles, mumps, and rubella, and all the other injections they get at a very early, they come down with a fever. The fever is centered in the head. In the head is your brain. <laughs> and when you get a, a fever somewhere, that means the brain cells, the cell tissue is dying off. And now they admit from Port and Downs, the, the big establishment of warfare in Britain, that they can target any part of the brain through chemicals or, uh, or bio-warfare, viruses, etc. They can target any particular part of the brain that they wish to. And they've had that knowledge for years and years. It's, it's, it's our inability to accept the fact that people would actually go ahead and do it even though the evidence is all there that allows them to carry on. Back after this break. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. Now, I'm sure the buzz around all the different stations is, is on about uh, uh, President Obama's regulatory czar, the guy who's in charge of the Department of Information. We actually have Departments of Information, just like Big Brother, Orwell. And so Cass Sunstein, apparently, is this new czar. And it's quite a character. You look him up on Wikipedia and all his theories. I'll put up on a link on my site, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, uh, where you can see uh, a, a, a paper he wrote for Harvard a, a couple of years ago about conspiracy theorists and how they'd have to take down all the conspiracy theorists. This article here, I'm going to read now, is by Aaron Klein, 2010 World Net Daily. It says, in a lengthy academic paper, President Obama's regulatory czar, Cass Sunstein, argued the U.S. government should ban conspiracy theorizing. To ban it, you see. Among the beliefs Sunstein would ban is advocating that the theory is of global warming is a deliberate fraud. So I guess it'd lock us all up. Sunstein also recommends the government sends agents to infiltrate extremists. Now, isn't that conspiracy in itself? A conspiracy? He's a guy up with Obama's group. He recommends the government send agents to infiltrate extremists who supply conspiracy theories <laughs> to disrupt the efforts of the extremists to propagate their theories. 
the 2008 Harvard Law Paper Conspiracy Theories, Sunstein and co-author Adrian Vermeule, a Harvard Law professor, asked what can government do about conspiracy theories. Can you imagine asking government what to do? They're the guys who bring them all up. How do we get the public to do this? How do we get the public to do that? <laughs> So to say we can readily imagine a series of possible responses. Government might ban conspiracy theorizing. Government might impose some kind of tax, financial or otherwise, on those who disseminate such theories. In the 30-page paper obtained and reviewed by the World Net Daily, Sunstein argues the best government response to conspiracy theories is a cognitive infiltration of extremist groups. And I've told you they always, through conspiracy, infiltrate groups. <laughs> These guys are the biggest conspiratorial characters on the planet. But of course what they're doing is banning or, or eliminating all competition of any other source of information or any other point of view. Sustine continues, we suggest a distinctive tactic for breaking up the hardcore of extremists who supply conspiracy theories. Cognitive infiltration of extremist groups, they use internet galore, chat rooms, all that stuff. I've warned folk, been warned folk about that before. They've been doing it for years. Whereby government agents or their allies acting either virtually or in real space and either openly or anonymously will undermine the crippled epistemology of believers by planting doubts. You see, these guys did this with religion too, by the way. See, this is an old technique. Planting doubts about the theories and stylized facts that circulate within such groups, thereby introducing beneficial cognitive diversity. Sustainable governments agents might enter chat rooms, online social networks, or even real space groups and attempt to undermine percolating conspiracy theories by raising doubts about their factual premises, causal logic, or implications for political action. Sustain defined a conspiracy theory as an effort to explain some event or practice by reference to the machinations of powerful people who have also managed to conceal their role, just like Mr. Sustain here. <laughs> Some conspiracy theories recommended for ban by Sunstein include the theory of global warming as a deliberate fraud that will be illegal, the view that the Central Intelligence Agency was responsible for the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, and the 96th crash of TWA Flight 800 was caused by a U.S. military missile, etc. Well, from Hamish myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.